This morning we are continuing our series, Follow Jesus Together. We've been looking at these seven markers that seem to, uh, of the church, that, the, that, that, that you see in people who are following Jesus. We started off by looking at Bible engagement, and then we talked about prayer. And then last week, we talked about wholehearted worship. And we've been looking at this idea that, that following Jesus is an invitation. It's an invitation into a journey of growing in Jesus and going with Jesus on his disciple-making journey. It's this invitation, I hope that you've been feeling this invitation and been thinking about what it looks like that following Jesus is not just about growing, it's not just about learning, it's also at the same time that we grow in Christ, we are going with him on mission to make disciples of all nations. And today, as we look at this, we're looking at the fourth marker of following Jesus, these two challenging words, humble service. Humble service. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear those two words, humble service, if I'm being honest, there are times when I just don't feel like serving. You ever had moments when you felt like Lord, I know I'm called to this, but man, I've had a long day. Times when you feel like, okay, I know that I'm supposed to serve, but man, this has been challenging day, and I just need some me time. I've been thinking about this call and thinking about Jesus when he said in Matthew 16, 24, about following him, he said this, he said, if Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But honestly, as I think about this call, there are times when I just wish that Jesus would do something in my mind and make it a little easier. My, my girls have been watching this show on Netflix uh, that I grew up with called Power Rangers. Anybody ever watch Power Rangers? Okay. It's been really fun. This last week, they watched this iconic moment when Tommy reveals himself as the Green Ranger. If you're a Power Ranger fan, you know exactly what we're talking about. And they're recounting this story, and it was so fun to see them having like this moment that I had 20 years ago as a child. And one of the things that I've been thinking about when it comes to Power Rangers is that there's this moment when these ordinary teenagers, they say these two words that change everything. They say, it's morphin' time. Remember this? And they say, it's morphing time, and they become these Power Rangers. And sometimes I feel like I need to have some morphin' time when it comes to humble service. It's like, Lord, would you do something in me? I need to change this. My, I just got home and, and my kids want to play and I'd rather honestly just watch SportsCenter. I'd rather just have Bluey take care of them, right? And by the way, that Bluey dad, he sets the bar so high. That's just not fair. It seems to me as we think about this call to humble service and we're like, oh yeah, this is the time when Pastor Logan tells us that we all need to serve. That 
this question is really important and it's more than just, hear this, it's more than just a call to serve, it's a call to truly transformation. The humble service, I believe, that we learn from this text can happen in you and you truly can have your mind changed. We can. We see this in Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to the church from chains. He's in prison. He had just, if you remember in Acts chapter 16, he had just been severely beaten. And he's writing to the church and they're also in this persecution from without, people are persecuting them. Also from within, there's some false teachers that are speaking things that are differently. And there's some some division and some discouragement. And he's writing to them in Philippians chapter two and calling them to unity and calling them to humble service. Calling them to this different way, this other upside down way of living in the kingdom. And in Philippians chapter two, he says this, if there is any encouragement in Christ, remember that word in Christ, we'll get more into that. He says, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. This call to the same mind, the same way of thinking, having, look at the language here, the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. It's this call of the church to this oneness and this unity in Christ. And out of this, he says, his joy will be complete but as having this mind that lives in this way, he says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, or some translations say vain conceit, selfish ambition. This is the idea that I'm the center of the universe. Does everyone ever feel like you have a house full of people that think they're the center of the universe? he's calling the believers, he's calling them in the midst of all of this persecution to say that we are not the center of the universe. Your own ambitions, your own dreams are to be set aside for something else. Do not let that be what motivates you. And is that not counterintuitive to our way and our culture? to the idea of, of having the most followers, the most likes, of, 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 of growing, in wealth, of true success in the American dream, of, of we lift up ambition, we lift up success. And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And then he says, or vain conceit. This idea of vain conceit has been said, this is this idea of empty glory, of seeking after glory of being that one in the room that kind of always needs to talk and always has a story, always has something, this, this empty glory, needing the glory. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. John Calvin wrote this about this, these two enemies of humility. He said, 
vain conceit and selfish ambition. He said, these are the two most dangerous pests for disturbing the peace of the church. Strife is awakened when everyone is prepared to maintain stubbornly his own opinion. And when it has once begun to rage, it rushes headlong in the direction from which it has entered. Vain glory tickles men's minds so that everyone is delighted with his own inventions. This is the enemy of our call to unity, selfish ambition, vain conceit. And we're learning from here as Paul's writing to the church, as he's writing to you and me and calling us to one mind. Hear this, Jesus is calling you to humble service. Jesus is calling you to humble service. And this is not a suggestion. It isn't just like, hey, you should try to put others first. You should, you should be humble. You should have this, your life not be about your ambition or your vain conceit. It's very clear as you look at the call of Jesus when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. When Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves, we are called to be a people of the kingdom of the king who aren't looking at ourselves but looking to others. I love what C.S. Lewis, when he talks about humility, my favorite definition of humility, he says this, hear this. Humility is not thinking of, le- thinking of less of yourself. It's not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. It's not saying that you should think less of yourself, that you should look down upon yourself, that you should have this low self image. No, you're an image bearer of God. God created you with purpose and dignity and beauty. There's something incredible about his creation. But as his people, it's not about thinking less of myself, it's just thinking about myself less. This is humility. And what I love here What I love in this passage is Paul is calling us to this and we feel some angst and some tension of this call to humble service is he gives us the model and he tells us why. He doesn't just say, hey, go and be humble. He tells us why. Look at verse six. It says this. Who though he was in the form of God, talking about Christ, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why should we be humble? He says, look at Jesus. This is a debated passage right here, this verse six. He says, though, who though in the form of God, this word for form is the word morphe, morphin time. But it, Theologians say that here, Paul is saying that when Christ came here to earth and he humbled himself, that wasn't the beginning of his existence. It's as though he was in the form of man. Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He has existed eternally. He is God himself. But yet, it says he was in the form of God. He is God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. This word for grasped, 
this Greek word that relates to robbery, that relates to, to taking something, to seizing power and using it inappropriately. And Christ, even though he had all of that, it says that he what? He emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of what? A king? Taking the form of a celebrity? Taking the form of a great teacher? No, taking the form of what? A servant. This is what we celebrate in the incarnation on Christmas. And it goes even further. It says not just becoming a servant, but being born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Do you even see the obedience of Christ here? Do you see this level of humility, this level of sacrifice, this level of thinking about others to the point of obedience? Lost the rest of this verse. He humbled himself by becoming obedient and then look at the final point, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Church, why should we be humble service? Why is Jesus calling you to humble service? Because Jesus is the model, right? When we say that we are following Jesus, that word follow is to act like, be like, follow the ways of our Lord. He is the model. Now hear this though. Our model is more than just a friend. Our model is more than just someone who looked down and saw humanity and had pity on us. It's not just pity, it's, it's not even sympathy where it's like a feeling bad for us. It's not even empathy where, where, where he looks at us and he feels with us. It is that, but it's compassion. It's that Christ looked at us, saw our sin, saw our misery, and what did he do? He became obedient to the point of death on a cross. God himself. One of the things I love to do on Sunday mornings is... Um, I kind of prep my whole sermon, and then I like to read a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. And then I think, oh man, I could have done way better. I wait till the end, because I don't want, otherwise I would just preach his sermons. I was reading a sermon that he gave called The Valley of Humiliation. He said this, I have not the mental, nor the physical, nor the spiritual strength to speak to you aright on such a wondrous topic as that of our Lord in the valley of humiliation. He's talking about his incarnation to the point of death on the cross. There have been times with me when I have only wanted a child's finger to point me to the Christ, and I have found enough in a sight of him without any words of man. I hope that it is so with you this morning. I invite you to sit down and watch your Lord obedient unto death, even death on the cross. All this he did that he might complete his own humiliation. He humbled himself even to this lowliest point of all and to death, even the death on the cross. It's this beautiful call. 
It's this beautiful call, and I love here that we learn in this text that Jesus is calling you to humble service, and Jesus is the model. But there's also this incredible gospel truth here that I don't want you to miss. You have these first four verses where he's calling you to humble, this humble calling of humble service. You have in verses six through 11, this beautiful poem about him as our model. And then right in the smack middle of this in verse five, you see the gospel of what he says he will do in your minds. Look at what it says in verse five. Look at this, it's morphine time. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes and talks about the mind of Christ. And then he goes and talks about what Christ has done on the cross and how through that work, Christ does something in us. This word morph of Christ who is the original form, he is God, calls us to this life of transformation. Do you see this? You hear this, do you understand that he says he will change our minds? Galatians 4.19, he writes about this, that same word for morph is used. It says, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth, I'm, I'm longing until Christ is what? He says, formed, that word morph, in you. This formation in you, Romans 8.29 says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, sumo morph, that word morph, to the image of his son. There's a, a process of becoming formed in to be more like Christ. Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed, do not be syncretized through the ways of this world, but be transformed. What's this word we see? Metamorpho, have you heard this word before? Metamorphis, by what? The renewal of what? your mind. Metamorphosis, what happens? A caterpillar. Really an ugly creature. Some of them are okay, I guess. It's like, like a, a worm with a little extra decorations. And then go into this cocoon and it comes out this beautiful butterfly. And this is the word that Paul uses to describe what we believe happens in the lives of people who have said, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my savior. That humble service is not something we try to do, it's something that Christ has done for you and me and then has us do out of his service for us. You hear this? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all, all of us with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Do you see the process? Metamorpho, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Church, Jesus is not just calling you to humble service, He's not just a great model for humble service. Jesus, hear this, is changing minds. Jesus is changing minds. This is the invitation to humble service, to have your mind changed. John Ortberg writes about this in one of his books. He says, when morphing happens, 
I don't just do the things Jesus would have done. I find myself wanting to do them. They appeal to me. They make sense. I don't just go around trying to do right things. I become the right sort of person. This is the gospel. This is the call of humble service that we are invited into. As we look at this, if we think about this, I just think about last week at our family service, we had professions of faith and baptisms and, and families uh, declaring their faith in Jesus, believing that Jesus is changing minds, believing that he has taken us from death to life, that he has taken cold, hard hearts and brought life into them by his power and believing he can do that today in this place. So as we look at this and we think about this call to humble service, I think there's two implications. First, an implication for this week and all the rest of the 52 weeks, so the, however many weeks you have here on, on earth. This week, I would say this, keep it up and speak it out. Keep it up and speak it out. See, sometimes we hear sermons like this and we hear messages like this and some folks have had this life change and you are beautiful pictures of the humble service of Christ. And I would say, keep it up. I wouldn't say do more. I wouldn't say, you know, you, you, need, you need to go. I would, I would say if, if you maybe are a little tired or worn out or we got teachers who, who are loving children and, and devoted their life to kids. We have people that, 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 have, that, are, that, are, that feel called in their, in, their, in their jobs and their occupations to put others first to this call to humble service. And maybe you're not, you're not getting the recognition. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're wondering like, can somebody else do this? Maybe I need to have some me time. I would tell you that Philippians 2 is telling you, keep it up. You're doing the ways of Jesus, be encouraged. And for some of us, maybe we need to hear this call to speak it out. My, one of my friends is a teacher. And we were talking about this call to humble service. And he said, one of the things that he does every single day when he walks onto a campus to remind himself of these truths is he does some self-talk. It's been, it's been proven, or at least hypothesized, that the things that we tell ourselves through our brain, there's this thing called neuroplasticity, and the things that we start to tell, the stories we start to tell, they, 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 they renew and change our minds. So every day when he's walking into this high school campus with a bunch of high school teenagers who aren't always the most fun to be around, he says this, I am here for everyone else. Say that to the person next to you. I am here for everyone else. Now say it to the person who just said that to you, amen. And imagine, church, if we started speaking this over our lives. Imagine, man, if I could talk to you for a minute. When you come home and you've had a long day of work, and you, you've had a long day, you've worked really hard, you're really tired, but you're telling yourself, I'm here for everyone else. And you come home and your wife is exhausted also because she's been caring for your children. And maybe instead of sitting down and having a drink and watching a show or Maybe instead of us being serving our wives, serving our families, saying I'm here for everyone else, now is where the real work begins. 
Perhaps some of the, the, the moms or the dads, single moms, single dads who are working through and so tired and so worn out, they need to be encouraged that you are here and Jesus is faithful and he will come alongside in that tiredness, in that worn out, and he will do his work in you. Be encouraged. I'm here for everyone else. But also, I would say this, there's also a call right now in this very moment. For Jesus to change our minds. For Jesus to reorient us. For many of us, we are prone to our own self. I confess this myself. And right now, I would say, come to Jesus. It's morphin' time. Christ is inviting you to come to the altar, to come to him, and he does his work. I love in the, in the book, Organic Disciples, Kevin Harney writes about how not only has he died on the cross, resurrected, but the service of Christ does not end there. It tells us in Romans chapter eight that he is continuing to intercede and serve us. And one of the invitations for the church is to continue to be a people that come to Jesus. They come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you change my mind? Would you do something in me? I, I believe, help my unbelief. So what I wanted to do together as a church is I wanted us to be reminded of our call to humble service. And so we have these towels here. Little washcloths. These towels represent our call. When Jesus was with his disciples the night before his arrest, what did he do? Said that the, our Lord knelt down, took a towel, and washed the feet of his disciples. And washed the dirty, grimy feet of his disciples. And then he told them this. He said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And I think... If you're anything like me, we need to be reminded that this is what we identify with. We identify with a towel, we identify with a cross, we identify with sacrifice. But hear this, Jesus is the one who died on the cross. And my hope is that as we reflect on this, as we feel this call to humble service, is yes, we would, we would say I'm here for everybody else. Yes, we would say I'm gonna work at, at being a humble service, but above all, we would ask Christ to lead us. See, the true way, the true path to having your mind changed is a word we don't like to talk about very much. It's a word called repentance. And in the story of Christ, true revival, true change happens when the people of God repent. When they turn from their sins, when they turn from their selves, and they say, Christ, would you lead me? Christ, would you serve me? Christ, will you have my life? Thank you for dying for me. And so what I wanted to do, I'm gonna say a prayer. And after I pray, 
Our worship team is gonna lead us in a song called, O Come to the Altar. And I wanna invite you to repent. I wanna invite you to come down you feel led or where if you wanna stay seated, you can, but to have some time of asking the Lord to change your heart, to redirect your heart, to repent, and maybe to come down and kneel down at, these, at this, this, maybe take a towel, and just as you and the Lord, you talk to the Lord. We'll sing together, we'll worship together, but to me, there's no better thing that we can do than to repent. And then to keep this towel, this is our gift to you as a reminder all week that this is our call. We are called to be a people of humble service. Let's do this together, amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you call us to service. And Jesus, I'm so grateful that not only do you call us, but you are the perfect model, the, the image of the invisible God. We see God in you because you are God. And Christ, you came to us, you died for us, and you are resurrected, and you are still interceding for us. And God, I just know that each of us, we're still humans. And we need life's change, we need minds change, we need your powerful work of metamorphosis to happen in us and keep happening. So I pray, Spirit of God, that right now you would truly just have your way, that you would speak. And that we would just be obedient to whatever you're calling us to do. If that's just sitting and praying, if that's laying down, if that's coming down, if that's Whatever that is, God, I just pray that you would lead us right now into repentance. And repentance is not just turning from ourselves, not just turning from selfishness, it is turning to you. It is turning to the great God who hears our prayers and saves us. Have your way, Lord, we love you. In your name we pray.